the thunder mutters. Podcast of poetry and music presented by Adam Horowitz and Becky Dello. Episode two. John Keats, Bright Star. Hello and welcome to The Thunder Mutters, Episode 2. This week we're looking at John Keats. I'm Adam Horowitz. And I'm Becky Dello. And it's great to be back and it's been a really interesting task um, looking at Keats this week and not being confined solely to Claire's manuscript looking for tunes. I've been able to have a good old route around in manuscripts for other 18th and 19th century tunes, possibly even older. Also exciting for me is that this recording I'm using a different fiddle. This one's been in my family since the 19th century. And uh, it, although it belongs to my dad, he considers it his father's violin, who's obviously my grandfather, Charles Hampton, who had fiddle lessons with Laurie Lee um, and used to meet up with him to play tunes on a Sunday afternoon. We've just had this fiddle refurbished and the luthier has told us that um, on the inside back, he found pencil marks saying who the maker was. So we now know it's an English fiddle made in Clerkenwell in London in 1819. So this is a fiddle that was around while Keats was. Exactly. And I, ho- I love that, that the violin was made at this time, not just that Keats was writing, but that a lot of the manuscript compilers were creating these sort of treasure trove of tunes for us to discover now. It's been lovely to work with that violin. It probably still needs a bit of playing in. It just seemed to uh, work well with Keats and so on. What you've said about rooting around in different manuscripts, it's been great for me to research this as well because, I mean, I've I've read Keats when I was younger, but uh, this has forced me to go back and rediscover Keats, which has been a, a really wonderful thing. The whole of the reading and performance of both reading and violin in this podcast is both Becky and I finding our way into tunes and word music that we are not necessarily so used to. We've really enjoyed delving deep into this. Word music, that's an interesting phrase. I like that. Although music's more of my bag than words, so I confess I didn't know that much about Keats and his poems. So I had to do a bit of research to help me select the tunes that I was going to play for this episode and my selections based either on snippets of Keats's life or on the poem titles so for example after the intro the first tune set I play is Morning Star followed by the Butchers of Bristol the first one I chose because it was in my great-great-grandfather's tune manuscript so I wanted to tie that in with playing the family fiddle as well. It links in with a poem later on in the set called Bright Star. My version of the Morning Star is the English version, there are quite a few versions and of course it's that's opening a can of worms, it's always impossible 
really to tell where a tune came from unless you know who composed it. But this one crops up in a lot of 19th century musicians' manuscripts and is very different from one that's more commonly played in Ireland. The next tune is the Butchers of Bristol in this same set. I do the Morning Star, then Butchers of Bristol. I absolutely love this tune and it can be found in a couple of manuscript tune books from the Lake District. The Lake District, I believe, being relevant for Keats because he did a big walking tour there. Is that right, Adam? Yeah, that's right. Keats following in the footsteps of many of the other Romantic poets and in pursuit of his hero Wordsworth went for a long walking tour through the lakes in the summer of 1818 and didn't enjoy it all that much as far as I can tell. Certainly arriving at Wordsworth's house he found it full of fashionable people and Wordsworth himself was away canvassing for the local Tory candidate so Keats moved on to Scotland. Not only is the location relevant to Keats, but I like the connection between Keats's medical training and the tune title, including Butchers, um, which was a shared occupation back in the day. So leading on from Butchers of Bristol, we have The Human Seasons, which is a poem of Keats's I'd not encountered before. And it just looks at the world in the way I think we all are at the moment during lockdown, delving inward to measure the four seasons in the mind of man. It's a beautiful poem. I then have chosen to play a tune called Camberwell, which is from John Offord's book, John of the Green. Um, this one he sourced from one of John Playford's Dancing Masters, and I think the 11th edition. I could be wrong there, sorry. But it was the one printed in 1713. These are printed publications rather than handwritten tunes from manuscripts but they often found their way into manuscript tune books so I felt that I was permitted to play this one and also obviously the title is in my mind referring to Keats's time in London. Camberwell not far from Southwark so which is one of the areas in London that Keats lived. The tune it's it's um, an interesting time signature I won't go too much into the detail of that but it's a 3-2 hornpipe which is sort of known as an old English hornpipe rather than the more modern I mean mid-19th century 4-4 hornpipes like the sailors ones 3-2 hornpipes have got a really cool groove to them and they seem to have been especially popular up in the northwest of England as they crop up in quite a few of the manuscripts from that area this is followed by La Belle Dame Sans Merci, a ballad. I remember my mother reading this to me as a child and being transfixed by it. It's an exquisite account of doomed love and full of the sort of romantic ache and music that Keats excels at. Ah, well, I was quite transfixed when I heard your reading of it when, to help me find the appropriate tunes. I thought it was really haunting and quite melancholic. So that is followed in an attempt to reflect that a ballad tune called Poor Soldier. This is from the Clare manuscript as well as others but it was popular in the 18th and 19th centuries and some versions have a Robert Burns poem set to it. That's followed by Keats's poem Modern Love, another one new to me that I came across in the research of this and very much goes into the details of London at the time and is, uh, is one of the stranger last lines, which is what caught my eye, first of all. I follow this poem with a tune called Made of the Mill, which I've become a bit obsessed with since I've been listening to Sam Sweeney's recent album. It's a jig 
and it's used for Cotswold Morris dancing, but it's found in William Hathaway and John Mason's repertoire, both 19th century fiddlers from Gloucestershire. Um, apparently, according to the traditional tune archive, Morris dancers sometimes sing the maid of the mill, the maid of the mill. She says she won't, but we know she will. This is followed by Ode on a Grecian Urn, one of Keats's most famous poems and particularly famous last lines, which have become aphorism, I suppose. But the whole of the poem that leads up to that aphoristic statement at the end is one of the most beautiful in the English language, I think. It's a fantastic poem. The next tune returns to the triple hornpipe style. This is a 6-4 hornpipe called The Rising Sun, and it was sourced from an early 18th century publication by Daniel Wright, and again taken from John of the Green. This is followed by To Sleep, which caught my eye, given we're in lockdown at the moment, because so many of us are not sleeping, and it seemed to catch exactly what we're all needing or at least all of the people I've spoken to are needing of sleep in these strange times. I, I'm not going to go on about my insomnia again. I won't. <laughs> the Good Old Way follows that poem also from John Offord's book and it's actually his arrangement of a tune from the Clague or Clag collection from the Isle of Man. The final poem in the set is reputedly Keats's last ever poem, Bright Star. It was given to Fanny Braun, with whom Keats had become infatuated it was a couple of years before his death, and he wrote out the final draft into a copy of the poetical works of William Shakespeare, opposite Shakespeare's poem, A Lover's Complaint. It's an exquisite sonnet, at once mournful and passionate, a profound and unsettlingly beautiful declaration of love from a man who very likely knew that he was too unwell to see this love he had declared come to any form of fruition. And my final tune is a version of a tune that can be found in a 1770 manuscript book uh, written by William Vickers. He calls it Such a Wife as Willie Had, but the version I play is from Playford, predating Vickers' writing down of the tune, and it's called Child Grove. It's from his 11th edition of The Dancing Master, dated 1701. And it's a very beautiful tune to end on. The whole pattern of this now is, is quite beautifully cyclical because we've got Morning Star at the beginning, finishing with Bright Star, and this beautiful tune to close out that mood. So without further ado, Here's Becky playing Morning Star.
Four seasons fill the measure of the year. There are four seasons in the mind of man. He has his lusty spring when fancy clear takes in all beauty with an easy span. He has his summer when luxuriously spring's honeyed cud of youthful thought he loves to ruminate and by such dreaming high is nearest unto heaven. Quiet coves his soul has in its autumn when his wings he furleth close. Contented so to look on mists in idleness, to let fair things pass by unheeded as a threshold brook. He has his winter, too, of pale misfeature, or else he would forego his mortal nature. Ail thee, knight-at-arms, alone and palely loitering. The sedge has withered from the lake, and no birds sing. Oh, what can ail thee, knight-at-arms, so haggard and so woebegone? The squirrel's granary is full, and the harvest's done. I see a lily on thy brow, with anguish moist and fever dew, and on thy cheeks a fading rose fast withereth too. I met a lady in the meads, full beautiful, a fairy's child. Her hair was long, her foot was light, and her eyes were wild. I made a garland for her head, and bracelets too, and fragrant zone. She looked at me as she did love and made sweet moan. I set her on my pacing steed, and nothing else saw all day long. For sidelong would she bend and sing a fairy's song. She found me roots of relish sweet and honey wild and manna dew, And sure in language strange she said, I love thee true. She took me to her elfin grot, And there she wept and sighed full sore, And there I shut her wild, wild eyes with kisses for. And there she lulled me asleep, and there I dreamed, ah, woe betide, the latest dream I ever dreamt on the cold hillside. I saw pale kings and princes too, pale warriors, death-pale were they all. They cried, La belle dame sans merci, thee hath in thrall. I saw their starved lips in the gloam, with horrid warning gaped wide, and I awoke and found me here, 
on the cold hill's side. And this is why I sojourn here, alone and palely loitering, though the sedge is withered from the lake, and no birds sing. What is love? It is a doll dressed up for idleness to cosset, nurse and dandle, a thing of soft misnomers, so divine that silly youth doth think to make itself divine by loving, and so goes on yawning and doting a whole summer long, till Mrs. Combe is made a pearl tiara, and common Wellingtons turn Romeo boots. Then Cleopatra lives at number seven, and Antony resides in Brunswick Square. Fools! If some passion high have warmed the world, if queens and soldiers have played deep for hearts, it is no reason why such agonies should be more common than the growth of weeds. Fools! Make me whole again that weighty pearl the Queen of Egypt melted, and I'll say that ye may love in spite of beaver hat. Thou still unravished bride of quietness, Thou foster child of silence and slow time, Sylvan historian who canst thus express A flowery tale more sweetly than our rhyme, What leaf-fringed legend haunts about thy shape, Of deities or mortals or of both, In Tempe or the dales of Arcady? What men or gods are these? What maidens loath? What mad pursuit? What struggle to escape, what pipes and timbrels, what wild ecstasy. Heard melodies are sweet, 
but those unheard are sweeter. Therefore, ye soft pipes, play on, not to the sensual ear, but more endeared, pipe to the spirit ditties of no tone. Fair youth, beneath the trees thou canst not leave thy song, nor ever can those trees be bare. Bold lover, never, never canst thou kiss, though winning near the goal yet do not grieve. She cannot fade, though thou hast not thy bliss, for ever wilt thou love, and she be fair. Ah, happy, happy boughs, that cannot shed your leaves, nor ever bid the spring adieu. And happy melodist, unwearied, for ever piping songs, for ever new. More happy love, more happy, happy love, forever warm and still to be enjoyed, forever panting and forever young, all breathing human passion far above that leaves a heart high, sorrowful and cloyed, a burning forehead and a parching tongue. Who are these coming to the sacrifice? To what green altar, O mysterious priest, leads thou that heifer lowing at the skies, and all her silken flanks with garlands dressed? What little town by river or seashore, or mountain built with peaceful citadel, is emptied of this folk, this pious morn? And little town, thy streets for evermore will silent be, and not a soul to tell why thou art desolate can e'er return. O oh, Attic shape, fair attitude with breed of marble men and maidens overwrought, with forest branches and the trodden weed, thou, silent form, dost tease us out of thought as doth eternity, cold pastoral, when old age shall this generation waste, thou shalt remain in midst of other woe than ours, a friend to man, to whom thou sayest, Beauty is truth, truth beauty, that is all ye know on earth, and all ye need to know. soft embalmer of the still midnight, shutting with careful fingers and benign our gloom-pleased eyes, embowered from the light, enshaded in forgetfulness divine. O oh, soothest sleep, if so it please thee, close in midst of this thine hymn my willing eyes, or wait the amen, ere thy poppy throws around my bed its lulling charities. Then save me, 
while the past day will shine upon my pillow, breeding many woes. Save me from curious conscience that still lords its strength for darkness, burrowing like a mole. Turn the key deftly in the oiled wards, and seal the hushed casket of my soul. Bright star, would I were steadfast as thou art. Not in lone splendour hung aloft the night, And watching, with eternal lids apart, Like nature's patient, sleepless eremite, The moving waters at their priest-like task Of pure ablution round earth's human shores, Or gazing on the new soft-fallen mask Of snow upon the mountains and the moors, no, yet still steadfast, still unchangeable, pillowed upon my fair love's ripening breast, to feel forever its soft fall and swell, awake forever in a sweet unrest, still, still to hear her tender-taken breath, and so live ever, or else swoon to death. So that was Becky playing Child Grove. And that was Adam reading the poetry. As usual, all the sources are listed um, in the text intro to the episode. As are the titles of the poems, so you can read them later at your own leisure. Hopefully you'll be able to enjoy exploring the, the poems in more depth, or the tunes, or the sources I've found them from, should you wish to. But do contact us with any questions um, and we'll try and answer them. You can find us on Twitter, at Thundermutters, 
or on the Thunder Matters Facebook page, or if you'd like to email us, feel free to do so on thethundermutters at gmail.com. We've tried to improve the quality of our sound recording, but just as a reminder, if you're listening in years to come, that we're currently going through the, the coronavirus pandemic. We're both in separate locations for lockdown and doing this remotely on, on my part with very little technical skill. And with quite dodgy connections on both parts because we both uh, live in fairly rural locations. Now for future episodes, we are very keen not to just keep this podcast living in the past and as much as we love Claire's Shepherd's Calendar and Keats and we'll be coming to Blake and Hardy and other great poets. We'd also like to hear from poets and musicians who've written in response to or written tunes in response to John Clare. We propose to put these together as two or maybe more if we get enough material shows looking at the legacy of John Clare 200 years after his first publication which was this year. Especially as we're 200 years on from Clare compiling his tune book. It would be fantastic to to hear your responses, your musical responses, as well as, as Adam said, poetry. But obviously, I'm especially interested in in tunes. If if you can send those in, I, I'd absolutely love to hear them. If you'd like to send us poems or tunes, feel free to do so at thethundermutters at gmail dot com, or write to us for more information. If you're looking to see transcriptions of the tunes in Claire's manuscript and many other manuscripts, there's a fabulous resource called the Village Music Project where they have made transcriptions of many musicians' tune books. That's the villagemusicproject.co.uk. In the meantime, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with Claire's Shepherd's Calendar, May, and more tunes from Becky. Thanks for listening.